Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia. John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Brief, welcoming you to another week. Hope things are going well for you. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to put, uh, because, well, I've been on the run, basically, it feels like all summer. During the trip to uh, Tombstone, love going to the town, the history there, which we're all pretty much familiar with. However, um, if you go, they have the supposed reenactment of the shootout at the OK Corral, or more technically, the lot, the empty lot behind the OK Corral. My friends, I got to tell you, I expected more of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess uh, more of a tactical analysis, who did what, when, how it went down. Now, we've all seen the movies, uh, you know, Wyatt Earp or you know, Tombstone, and we think we know. However, what the movies really can't um, really put out there a show. But I will say this. The movies did a much better job than what you see at the reenactment there in town. How do I put this? Okay. I found the reenactment to be buffoonish sophomoric and frankly disrespectful because the way they portray the Clantons and their associates as drunk buffoons stumbling around and I get it look they're trying to make it G-rated for the whole family whole family fun Ha, ha, ha. I found it disrespectful because the McLaurys and the Clantons, uh, they died very violent deaths. Now, they do have a representation that's a separate and apart from the show of where everybody was standing when the, sh- when the gunfight went down or in the vernacular of the times, a street incident. Yeah, they didn't call them gunfights then. They called them street incidents or an incident. But I would say they were no less than, they were well within 15 feet of each other. 30 shots, 30 seconds. That's how fast and violent those men's lives. Now, look, I'm not saying, I'm not here to argue who's right, who's wrong. I'm just saying I found the whole reenactment thing to be disrespectful, buffoonish, and silly. I do. And I told my wife that. I said, you know, I expected a lot more. I really did. Now, when you go to the static uh, presentation of where everybody was standing when the uh, street incident went down, they do have the letter or a copy of the letter from Wyatt Earp of who was standing and where and whatnot. You know, that became his defining moment in his life. Now, granted, he had many more moments in his life, but this one is the one that cemented his 
uh, place in the national psyche, even to this day. Uh, I, I, I was very disappointed in it. I expected more, I guess, of a tactical analysis of who was standing where, how far away they were, who did what when. Now, the I believe, if I remember right, our good friend Don Lowry, who lives down there about 20 miles away from Tombstone, he told me that he, if he, if he remember that if he remembered right, the uh, I think he said the Clanton or the McLowrys, one of the families still lives out in the desert there at the old homestead. Now you know, I don't know where it was. I never got a chance to go out there and look, but. I'm not saying that the McLowrys and the Clantons were, you know, were, were heroes, but they weren't stupid, drunk buffoons that they're made out to be. They just aren't. What I would say is this. I found it interesting because nowadays when, the, when we have a street incident, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're shot out of ammunition, you're reloading right away. You know, then when they were out, they were out. They didn't reload right away. You know, they they were it was done over. But I wanted to put that out there. I don't. I I, I was just really disappointed with it. Okay. Enough said on that. Oh, by the way, if you are going to go to Tombstone, do not, my friends, listen to me carefully. Do not take your RV and stay in Tombstone proper. Those RVs, I, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. I'm not saying it's bad. Don't, no. What I'm saying is I would not stay at those RV campgrounds in, in town, in the town of Tombstone. First of all, they're literally, the sites are literally one on top of the other. Some could barely even get their slides open. And I was like, oh my. Instead, I prefer the old KOA campground now operating as the Tombstone RV Park. It's about a mile outside of the town proper, but much, much better RV park entirely. That's just my opinion. I'm telling you that as a friendly travel tip. Okay. As a prepper, sometimes we tend to overlook things. And... And I did. I know it's hard to believe. But here on this show, you listen to me because you have that addiction that must be fed. I'm here to feed your addiction. So, what am I talking about? What I'm talking about is vitamins and minerals that preppers should stock. Yeah. Yeah, think about that, my friends. All right. You're saying, okay, what are you talking about? I'm going to tell you. When you're planning um, for a long-term crisis and plotting out what foods to store, don't forget the importance of vitamins and minerals. It's proper pre-planning and knowledge that are going to be your true friends. Pre-planning food is important so that you get the right types of food in your long-term food storage. Knowledge includes knowing how to keep those foods free of insects and how to prepare them. However, it's not only food you should be considering. Being prepared health-wise for maintaining your health and even using certain hacks 
for how to get out of the health emergency goes a long way toward keeping your tribe happy and healthy until society normalizes, if it ever does. So let's talk about stocking vitamins for a collapse. And of course, if you're planning to start a vitamin regimen today, it's always advisable to consult your physician first. Obviously, it's important to maintain health. We all need vitamins and minerals daily, and unfortunately, there's just no way around it. Not providing the necessary vitamins and heal susceptible to infections, uh, metabolism, colon function, aging, and more. So the question is, what's the best vitamin? What's the best multivitamin to stock? Well, a good multivitamin is essential for health maintenance, and not all multivitamins are alike. Many are not balanced in their vitamin or mineral ratios, and this leads to deficiencies or missing nutrients the supplement does not provide. The best balanced multivitamin that we've found on the market, and I, guys, this is not me. This is written by a guest writer on the SHTF blog. So I'm not throwing the commercial out there. I'm not throwing endorsement. Uh, according to the writer, the best multivitamin they found on the market is the Shackley Vitaly for men and one for women, simply because of its vitamin and mineral ratios and shelf stability. So here's a list of examples of how the ratios are correct. The calcium to magnesium ratio is close to a 1 to 1 or 1 to 1.25 ratio. All the B vitamins are included. Many multis are missing biotin, vitamins B5, B12, or they are imbalanced in the B vitamins. By the way, for energy, B12 and B6. They include molybdenum. Deficiency of this trace mineral causes anxiety and panic attacks. Which, by the way, if a crisis grid goes down, you're going to have anxiety and panic attacks. Don't sit there and tell me, oh, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. We all will. It's how you handle it that counts. Also included is copper. Many companies leave copper out of the formula altogether because a small percentage of people have a copper disease called Wilson's disease. You still need copper. It's an essential mineral. Uh... Five, they include vitamin A in a non-carotenoid form. Supplements with only beta-carotenoid are only 33% absorbed, leaving you with a deficiency of the active form of vitamin A. And six, they include manganese, a mineral depleted in the body when, glyce when glyphosate pesticides are used on foods and the food is consumed. Now, why multivitamin is not enough? Even if you already have a good multi, you cannot count on it to address all the demands of your body that are occurring when you are in crisis. You'll need a stash of individual nutrients that can be added to your food storage for certain conditions as a means of prevention of other problems you could face in a grid-down situation. First and foremost, 
Infections could become plentiful in an SHTF event. Infections cured with simple antibiotics in normal times could become serious problems where there is no doctor. The, pro, uh, the protocol I use during a threatening infection is this one. 50,000 international, that's IU, vitamin A daily. Vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams twice daily. By the way, your body does not store vitamin C. It's water-soluble, it washes out. You would think when the Lord was designing our bodies, you would think that maybe he could have thrown that in there like you could store some vitamin C, just not all of it. Meanwhile, back to it. 400 international unit, uh, vitamin E daily, 50 uh, milligrams of zinc daily, 200 micrograms of selenium daily, and 10,000 international units vitamin D once daily. By the way, if you happen to be a white person, a Caucasian person, and you live in the northern climates in the wintertime, we all need vitamin D because, first of all, our bodies usually get the vitamin D in the summertime, and we get plenty of it through the sun, just being out in the sun. Because the sun is low in the sky and it's cold and cloudy more often than not, especially here in the tyranny state of Illinois, we get vitamin D deficiency. Yes, it's true we get some through the foods, but during the winter months, you gotta take, you should be taking a vitamin D anyways. So, the supplements are taken each day until the infection is totally gone, plus an additional two days. These are dosages for teens and adults. Babies and children can be given one dosage every two days. I don't know who the, who the writer is, but just the same. Take it for what it's worth. If you are not comfortable with these doses. It may be because the vitamin A is high. The Linus Pauling Institute recommends an upper limit of 10,000 international unit for vitamin A and multivitamins, but does not say anything about the use of this antioxidant in higher amounts for short-term doses. For example, an infection when your uh, mucosal membranes need higher amounts to get over the infection. Still, if you have liver cirrhosis, the upper limits is a safer bet because Vitamin A is fat-soluble and metabolized in the liver, thus the decreased liver function. Your body may not be able to handle 50,000 international units. Now, vitamin A deficiency impairs innate immunity by impending, uh, uh, impeding normal regeneration of mucosal barriers damaged by infection and by diminishing the function of neutrophils, macrophages, and natural killer cells. It's also required for adaptive immunity and development of T and B cells. When vitamin A availability from food is low, infection diseases precipitate a deficiency. This is known information published in 2001 by the University of California Davis researcher C.B. Stevenson. And that's a PH, not a V. Vitamin E is a fat-soluble antioxidant that regulates the production of free radicals. It has known immunological effects under normal and disease conditions and regulates T and B cells. Zinc plays a central role in the immune system when deficiency occurs. People become increasingly susceptible to infections. Selenium is needed for proper function of the immune system and vitamin D protects against acute respiratory tract infection overall according to meta-analysis studies. Now you can get individual bottles and each of these supplements to place in your food storage in a cool, dry location. 
The vitamin C is generally not stable for long-term storage, but you can purchase one or more pounds of camo camo fruit in powdered form, which provides you with 682 milligrams per teaspoon. It's easily mixed into juice or water. Number two, energy dwindles the longer a grid down event drags on. No kidding. When your energy starts declining, the quickest way to regain is to address it nutritionally, especially if you have food storage stacked with nutrients for a long-term disaster. Here are some reasons why you may not have enough energy and the antidote for them. Reason one, B vitamin levels are low. B complex, 50 milligrams or 100 milligrams one daily. 50 milligrams means 50 milligrams of vitamin B1, 2, and 6. Vitamin B3 niacin should be higher than 50 milligrams when you increase the other B vitamins, usually to 100 milligrams. B5 may be taken at much higher dosages without worrying about B vitamin ratios. So 500 milligrams daily is a quick way to reduce stress as well, and this amount may be increased to 2,000 milligrams daily if necessary. Length of time needed, uh, 10 days to one month. Reason two, your iron levels are low. That is, you are anemic. If you aren't eating meat, the chances are good you're not getting enough iron. Iron deficiency, anemia, results in fatigue because the red blood cells aren't getting enough oxygen. The antidote, uh, blackstrap molasses, one teaspoon or more daily along with two doses of 10 milligrams of Floridix or Florivital iron and herbs. Both these are natural sources of iron and come in glass bottles and should be wrapped in bubble wrap to prevent breakage. Length of time needed, two to three months. The length of time uh, to uh, build new red blood cells, that's true. 90 days, 60 to 90 days. Reason three, body can't detoxify itself. Now once the toxins start accumulating in your body, you can expect fatigue. The antidote, 200 micrograms of selenium and 30 to 50 milligrams of zinc. Length of time needed, two weeks. Now some of you, mental disorders to be expected during a grid down event. We got mental disorders now, my friends. It's just gonna increase when the grid goes down. Now depression is often alleviated with added vitamin D. 10,000 international units daily for two months. Magnesium, 400 milligrams daily for two months. A B50 milligram complex once daily for 30 days. Vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams twice daily. Lithium orotate, 5 milligrams of elemental lithium, but not in conjunction with the drug lithium once daily for three months. If you take the drug lithium, you're running around like a zombie, flopping around, just wandering aimlessly with a blank look on your face. That will make you a victim before you know what happens. Back to it. And or zinc, which is 50 milligrams daily for one month. Anxiety is alleviated quickly with 500 milligrams of molybdenum, once daily for three months. B-complex is above, magnesium is above, and pantothenic acid, 500 milligrams one to four times daily for a month. Now, nutrients can't be expected to alleviate narcissism. That's true. It is known that low blood sugar aggravates all mental disorders and thus chromium, 500 microgram, uh, yeah, micrograms daily for 30 days. 
zinc 50 milligram daily for 30 days and the B complex once a day for 30 days will help uh, better blood sugar regulation and if you're a diabetic you know what I'm talking about now number four toxicity situations arise during an, uh, you know, an, a critical event in any crisis there's always a risk of toxicity there could be toxic chemicals in floodwaters, tornadoes, fires, high concentrations of them bombarding the body will deplete your selenium, uh, molybdenum, and zinc levels, plus affect your mucosal membranes in your throat, lungs, and GI tract. Here are the doses to protect you. Selenium, 200 micrograms daily during the toxicity and another two weeks thereafter. Uh, molybdenum, 500 micrograms daily during the toxicity and another two weeks thereafter. Zinc, 50 milligrams daily for two months and vitamin A, 20,000 international units daily for two months. So how many vitamins do you need to stock? Well, you, I, you know, suggestion is you prep for six months for a long-term disaster or crisis and count on every person in your tribe getting at least three infections, suffering mental disorders, becoming toxic, and experience of fatigue during that time period. Better to be overprepared than underprepared. I'll say it again. Better to be overprepared than underprepared. Per person, you can plan for the following. Prepper group leaders, are you listening? Get a pencil and paper. Or just keep doing this episode over and over again and you can write it down as you stop it and as you see fit write it down per person you can plan for the following vitamin d3 5,000 international units 300 capsules vitamin a 10,000 international units 300 capsules vitamin e 400 international units 200 capsules use the dry form it has a longer shelf life Vitamin B complex, two bottles, blackstrap molasses, and 250 capsules, uh, B5. Zinc, 50 milligrams, 250 capsules. Molybdenum, 500 micrograms, 250 capsules. Selenium, 200 micrograms, 250 capsules. Pantothenic acid, vitamin B5, 500 milligrams, 350 capsules. Vitamin C, 1,000 milligram coated, more stable form, and 600 of those. Magnesium, 4 to 500 milligrams, you need 300 tablets. Lithium orotate, 5 milligrams of elemental lithium, 300 tablets. Floridix, 2 bottles, largest size. My friends, that's per person. So they've got four people, take those capsules and multiply times four. For example, D3. Vitamin D3, you need 5,000 international units. For four people, you're going to need 1,200 capsules. Now, buying in bulk helps a lot. There are many vitamin mineral shops online that give greater discounts with bulk pur purchases, which is true. But let's talk about long-term storage. Now, take caution. Long-term storage, my friends, this is important. Take caution with the B-complex capsules. These are never good past the expiration date, and they are ruined by high heat. Vitamins, except for vitamin A, are oxidized with heat. Vitamin C is destroyed by heat. Minerals, on the other hand, are quite stable with heat.
So here are some additional tips on long-term storage of vitamins and minerals. Once a B vitamin turns color from bright orangish yellow to dark orange, it's too old. This reaction tells you the vitamin B2 has oxidized. Vitamin C is more stable when it has nothing added to it and you keep it out of the heat. You can get ascorbic acid in bulk from now foods. Number three, you can get dry forms of vitamin A, vitamin E, and D3, which may be more stable and last longer. Vitamin A is stabilized with BHT. Vitamin E has been used as a preservative for different types of meats over the years. This tells us it is a pretty stable naturally. The expiration dates on most supplemental company supplements uh, list the expiration dates anywhere from uh, six months to three years. As long as you keep the supplements in a cool, dry, dark location, you have provided optimal storage conditions. Number seven, if you're storing plastic bottles of vitamins and minerals inside, additional plastic container provides a secondary layer of protection for them. Use Ziploc bags. There you go. Number eight, I'm a big fan of Ziploc bags. I've got, I got all sizes of them. Big fan of them. Uh, number eight, underground storage will double your, your shelf life. Refrigerator temperature quadruples the shelf life. Freezer temperature increases the shelf life by almost eight times. So as long as you've got electricity, you can, keep use, you can use your freezer. Now in one study, vitamin D3 and liquid prescription uh, medicines guaranteed its content more than 90% the amount claimed on the label for at least one year when stored at 25 degrees Celsius and four months at 40 degrees Celsius. The manufacturers provide higher amounts of the vitamin than the original label to maintain potency over time. And number 10, food supplements generally lose potency over time. However, if they smell bad, look bad, and their color is oxidized, they mean it's gotten darker. This could mean there's something toxic happening and they should be discarded or give them to your enemies. Number 11, Gel caps and gummy or chewable vitamins do not store well because they have a higher moisture content. Any supplements with oil in them risk getting rancid. Probiotics die over time and are useless. I would store probiotics myself, my friends. Add that to your list. Vitamin C and B12 are the most fragile. Yet a vitamin C deficiency is common during a crisis. If you happen to live in the warmer climes and you have access to grapefruit, oranges, lemons, limes, you got your vitamin C right there. Uh, 13. Once multivitamins have expired, dissolve them in water and fertilize your garden plants with them. The plants will use what's available. Ah, good tip there. How my, how my gardener friends? 14. Frequently rotate your vitamins while you're storing them. It's recommended to stock enough for a year and then replace them every year. 15. Binders and additives in vitamins and minerals affect the shelf life because they degrade over time. Thus, the least amount of binders and additives to your supplements there are, the better. Number 16, Jay Wimpy, chemical engineer at the, and president of the American Civil Defense Association, states that most multivitamins probably last 10 to 15 years, especially if they are stored properly and if they have a protective coating on them. Good tip. Number 17, Sprouting increases all nutrients, including vitamin C. Sprouting gives you a whole food source of vitamins and minerals. Now, 
Ah, here you go. Uh, so start planning now for long-term disasters. Don't wait. You won't walk. You you want to walk into the next crisis prepared on all fronts, and this is part of that. Ah, here's about who. Here's who wrote this information. Dr. Donna Schwankowski is a retired chiropractor and has a master's and bachelor's in nutrition and a master's in herbology. She has taught classes on vitamins and minerals, Dimetius Earth, and how to store and use them in crisis situations at a California survival school. There you go. That's who wrote that. Good now, um, there is one. There is, there is a comment. I want to share this with you because I like to share stuff. Florida Prepper 1 says, One good multivitamin for men plus 50 I found is Bronson One Daily Men's 50 Plus. Amazon has them, 180 tablets for $14.99. It has everything you listed as a multivitamin should have and in good ratios. I wish I knew when this... There's no date on it, so I can't tell you when it was... Uh, when it actually came. What was the date of this article? I think... Uh, Da, 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 da. Huh, nothing. I don't know. It's not on there. Anyways, that's good information. We should all like good information. Should we not? Not we should. All right. I know I know a lot of you are listening to this on the way to work or whatnot, so let's call it. It's been a half hour. Uh, next episode, maybe I'll do it in a couple days. I don't know. I want to talk to you about preparedness and fear. Preparedness and fear. Let's talk about that. That'll be our next episode. Because fear is not bad. I'll leave you with that. See, is there anything else I wanted to share with you? Yes, there is. Um, I know Christians listen to this show. When I was down in Alabama for the, in August and September for a month, uh, that was a long trip. Uh, yeah. How long it took me about a week to get back into the swing of things here at the house. You know, my wife kept things going and she just, you know, but anyways, there's a small little church. It's called the Sleepy Holler Non-Denominational Church. It's at the Sleepy Holler Campground. It's a little church set on top of a, well, for, uh, on top of a very large hill. Not a mountain, but I guess you could. But anyways, you got, when you go, when you go to it, you're climbing. But anyways, it's a very small church. And they're in dire need of some help. Now, you're saying, well, why are you telling us, John? Why don't you do something? Why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Well, I'm going to, and I have. The Sleepy Holler, that's where I said holler, not hollow, holler, in Cordova, Alabama. They've got a very nice-looking church, a small church. However... They don't have a large congregation. I got to tell you, I've never seen so many churches in such a small geographic area. However, regardless, um, 
at any time I saw nine to twelve members. It's a very nice church. I'm I, if you can build websites, let me know. I, I I got a domain name for them. They don't even have a web a web presence, and it seems to be pretty basic nowadays. However, I noticed when I was there for the services on Sunday morning, they didn't even have. Uh, you know, most churches have the Bible pew, you know, the the pew Bibles. You know, the Bibles sit in the pew. For people that don't even have a Bible or didn't bring their Bible or whatever. They didn't have that. They didn't have any of those. They had uh, quite a number of old hymnals, which is nothing wrong with that, old hymnal books. There was a blue cover. So you're saying, well, John, what did you do? Well, I'll tell you what I've done. I've bought and sit down there already a case of Bibles meant specifically for the pew. I did that. I sent them a case of new hymnals. They can have many hymnals. I have sent um, kids church. They've got kids that go to church. You know, the person just and I mean last week got appointed to lead kids church. I sent them materials I found from a specific websites that deal with kids church sent them curriculum down there I also and then uh, I got word back pastor wanted to give out the pew bibles as you know to welcome new members and new Christians into the faith however he was told no those are for the pews so I went ahead and I sent down another case of bibles specifically tailored for the new Christians and new members. They come in, they get a Bible. What I'm doing now is, okay, this is how poor this church is. For their music, guys, this is sad. Believe me, it's sad. Uh, they're using a cell phone. That's it, a cell phone for their music. I have put together um, some equipment which I'll be purchasing and sending it down there to them so they can have a proper sound system. Now granted, uh, I see big, I see good things coming for this church, but they have, like I said, they're poor, but yet the members are active. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Wednesday night, they have uh, dinner together. I, it's a potluck dinner Wednesday night. And if you've ever been down south, you know that the women down south can cook like nobody's business. So, they're also looking to not just bring new members into the church, but I've, I've just been discussing it with some of their leaders. You know, I ask them, well, what kind of a church do you want to be? What's the church's identity? Is it going to be a come-as-you-are church? Is it going to be an outreach church? You know, I myself like the a combination of, of, of the two. I like the outreach church, and I also like the come-as-you-are church. I like that. I like a combination of the two. Um, but anyways... 
if their address is, you know, you know what? Let's do it this way. Um, let me see if we can find get get the uh, website up and running because I want to help them. I said when I saw their sound system, what well, for 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 you know worship songs and hymns was a cell phone. Are you kidding me? But they use what they got. I get it. So that's what I've done. If you feel led to me that you want to give to the church, I want you to email me contraradio at live.com contraradio at live.com and um, uh, I'll get back to you and tell you the address and stuff where you can send it it would be much appreciated so anyways that's what I have felt led to do and that's what I'm doing so when you say well don't ask me for money I'm not. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. So we'll see what happens, my friends. In the meantime, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Um, what can I say? I hope you found this information useful. Use it in good health. Be well, my friends and listeners. Until next time, I'm John Jeffers here on the Contra Radio Network here at the Jeffers Brief. Thanks for tuning in.